I had a Muslim woman who converted Catholicism. She comes to me and says, I knew that's when I was going to be Catholic. And I said, why? And she said, because every other one of them told me that my questioning things was a sign of a lack of faith. And you said the exact opposite. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Michael Gormian. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dave All Thriller, No Filler, Van Vickle. How are we doing, Dave? You had that one ready. I had it ready. I had it written down for a week. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, ooh, All Thriller, No Filler. I was originally going to say All Filler, No Thriller, but then I listened to your last episode without me. Man, that was on fire. Oh, good. I'm glad you listened. Did you like the fact that I said you were modeling? Oh, my gosh. Let me just tell you, that trip from Milan was exhausting. So (laughs) for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode without me, I was, in fact, modeling. But uh, it wasn't for a fashion magazine. It was for the Husky Boys section of the J.C. Penney catalog (laughs) for the softer Uh. side of Sears. (laughs) Are you... uh What's your summer like? Is it crazy? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, actually, I was at Cove Crest. So, my first official thing was I went to Life Teen Summer Camp, Camp Cove Crest, and trained their young adult ministers. Cool. Uh, who are, go- or, excuse me, missionaries who are going to do the, um, lead all the camps. And my church is taking 90 kids right now, actually. Oh. They're in flight over there. Imagine that. Imagine taking 90 high school students across the country for a summer no camp. Thanks. No, no thanks. No thank you. But um, So I did that. I have uh, two Sumville conferences. I'm going to Anchorage for a Catching Foxes live cool. show. Anchorage, Alaska. Cool. Yeah. Are you going to have time there? I'm no? going for a week. Oh, a week. A week. And Shannon's like, what are you going to do there? Are you going to go like hiking or something? And I was like, I'm probably just stay in the hotel and write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So- I got stuff like that um, and some small gigs here and there kind of li- lined up throughout. But my main thing that I want to do is I'm going to retool my RCIA program. Bishop Barron has this line where he says, if you don't know Israel, you don't understand Jesus. And so I started thinking about like, even in the very Gentile book of uh, you know Luke and Mark's gospels, they constantly are referencing the Old Testament, which makes me see that part of proclaiming Jesus is he is the Jewish Messiah and understanding what that means. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to rewrite my RCIA curriculum right. to understand Israel better so that you can understand Christ better, so you can understand the church better. What are you up to? Uh, yeah, I have, I have a few. I have a lot of talks around, and I'm doing the Bosco Conference. I have a few. I mean, I have a lot. <laughs> what is the Bosco Conference? I've always wanted to go. I've never been able to. It's the, it's the uh, like, basically church worker, the minister's conference at Franciscan. Nice. And it's cool. I mean, it's cool. It's uh, like they're real picky about who speaks at it. Like as far as like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. And so last year I got my foot in the door because they were looking for a talk on spiritual warfare. And so my, I think my name just like stayed on the list because this year they sent me two talks not on spiritual warfare. And when I literally, when I saw the titles, I was literally like, what am I going to do? About-? <laughs> they were so complicated. They were the most complicated titles. So, so what is it? What is uh, it? One of them is like, um, church, the church, the guardian and protector of the doctrine of the faith is one of them, I think. <laughs> and then the other one is, it's not rolls uh, off the tongue. Yeah. Rolls right. Off right. The tongue. Uh, the human body, God's masterpiece or something, which is not that bad. You know, uh, 
I love the theology of the body, yeah. so I'm okay with it. But but it's just like two things that I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to like seriously prepare oh, for man. these things. You know? Oh no, oh no, you're not gonna wing it like you did last week's episode. No, no, I <laughs> I did not wing last week's episode, but I just would like something in my wheelhouse at least. Yeah. You know, so. No, last week's episode actually was great. I was driving. My whole family went up to Covecrest. So I live in Houston. Covecrest is about two hours north of Atlanta. So we all drove out there, stayed with our mutual friend, uh, John Drizaldi, good guy, and his family. And then uh, we drove back, and I had all of these podcasts just waiting for me. Oh. And I started with yours. So kudos to you, good sir. Kudos. Nice. Cool. So, all right, what are we talking about today? This is... Oh, man, we have so much. We have so much. I, I, I do want to point out, we are getting so many very... High quality emails. Right. Uh, we have Diana, the wannabe evangelizer, asks about what does it mean to bear much fruit. Um, Deanna, the young adult community and evangelism relationship. Jay, about evangelizing high school youth and youth ministry. So these are topics that we are going to get to in the next uh, four or five weeks and kind of break it open. But today's email uh, comes from a person doing ministry in a Catholic high school, an all boys. Catholic high school. Right. And her problem is, this is what she says. So I work in this all boys Catholic high school. Believe it or not, I encounter quite a number of atheists. I often simply love and listen, but I also try to teach and explain. However, it is incredible to me how obstinate they are. So I continue to love and listen and share and explain. I've been asking the Lord for the conversion of hearts of the greater zeal in recent times, but I feel I need to up that. I've been asking him to, to send me a person or two or more so that we can pray together in our chapel for conversion uh, for conversion of hearts. So far, I have a junior interested in praying with me uh, for this. Our faculty, faculty and staff need just as much prayer as our kids. Ugh. And then she ends it with, I just don't know how to speak to an atheist. They have all sorts of sophisticated reasons and explanations as to why God just does not exist, why it doesn't matter. I am currently online at Franciscan University taking master's classes. So blah, blah, blah. What do we do? How do you evangelize an atheist? Uh, how do you, she says, I'm not really an apologist. She's not really an arguer when it comes to this stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like, I just feel for you because it does seem to be a theme with like kind of elite all boys schools yep. that like, there's almost always like the one science teacher who is constantly recommending YouTube videos. And those YouTube videos are always from well-known famous atheists right and i'm not talking about like bill nye who could be like you know destroyed in two seconds but like some really really high level scientists slash philosophers who deny the existence of god so i do i do feel it for you uh this has been an issue for the last probably five years in in my area where there's you know a particular high school where there was just one science teacher that was turning these young men into atheists like crazy and then their parents would be like you talk to them you know i don't know what to do and so we would have these long conversations you know and you know when we were talking about this episode gomer said something that kind of like i've been thinking about it for like two weeks now because we we were planning on recording this before and that is at some point you just have to dig in and you do have to just do the work and learn the arguments about atheism that i i realize that i very rarely come to that point where I'm like, Dave, you just got to dig into this. You just got to learn something new here. Um, and I think that that's true. I think really, in all honesty, we have some great resources on our side that are accessible and, you know, ease and available. And, um, and I think at some point you really do have to dig in. Now I'm not saying that's going to make you successful immediately. Right. 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 right? Go right. I mean, it takes a while. Yeah. So my, thing is uh you know saint 
Peter says, always be ready for an explanation for someone who asks for the reason for the hope that's within you. And I think it's very important for us to understand that being a Christian is intellectually defensible, right? Right. It doesn't mean that we can explain out it, that all of the propositions of our faith are reducible to uh, reasoned out proofs, like we're some, uh, you know, ancient Pythagorean, you know, figuring out the universe through math. That's not what Christianity is. But at the same time, all of her doctrines are rational. That is, they exist above reason, but not contrary to reason. And so we always bring in, we've always had a tradition of bringing in reason to defend the church's teachings, right? Always. So my favorite example, and the thing that I tend to start with, so if we want to look at the bridge between evangelization and atheism in particular, and how it revolves around apologetics, what I like to do is start with the person of Jesus Christ and his claims, both his, uh, his birth and his uh, resurrection. And what I mean by that is you look at biblical prophecies and you see how they align to this man, Jesus. You look at the expectations of Israel in the first century that people were expecting a Messiah to the point where dozens of men came out and said, I'm the Messiah, right? Right. So because that, that all the prophecies were pointing to about that time. And so there historically there were a lot of reasons and things building up to it. The, the very fact that John the Baptist was a real historical verifiable character, that his whole thing, he understood his whole ministry as being the forerunner to the Messiah is another huge thing. Right. And then finally I would talk about the resurrection and how even the Bible says, if the resurrection isn't real, this is a joke. And you get that First Corinthians chapter 15, where St. Paul is saying, like, he's talking with these people who are denying the resurrection of the dead. And he's like, if the dead aren't raised, then Christ wasn't ra raised. Right. And if Christ wasn't raised, then you and I are still in our sin. And if we're still in our sin, of all people on this earth, we're the most to be pitied. We're the most pathetic, right? And then he goes on to say, listen, there are eyewitnesses to his resurrection. There was... St. Peter, you know, he calls him Cephas. There was all these people. And he says, there are 500 right now. Some have fallen asleep. But my, the reason why he's saying all this stuff is you can go ask them what it was like. 500 people do not at different times experience, uh, you know, hallucinations and all this stuff. And so my big thing is driving home the answers to the objections to the resurrection. And I think by both the incarnation and the resurrection – you can begin to build a solid foundation of who Jesus is, like that he was historically verifiable, that, you know, all the things about it, blah, blah, blah. You can start there without being an apologist. Absolutely. And you can go through those arguments. And I would recommend, especially if you're in a Catholic school setting, to maybe get Dr. Peter Kraft and Ronald Teselli's um, book, uh, The Handbook of Christian Apologetics or Fundamentals of the Faith. Fundamentals of the Faith, I use that in my RCIA class. I love it. Short essays are like five pages long on these different topics. Or I would recommend a very easy book called More Than a Carpenter. More Than a Carpenter addresses the, the divine and human claims of Jesus, and they're powerful. And I think it re works really well on a high school mind. Yeah. And so what Gomer's talking about is we call it fundamental theology, fundamental theology. And it's important that we all, you know, understand a little bit uh, and maybe even a lot about fundamental theology. Uh, we call it apologetics, but it ranges not just from, you know, defending the faith against um, 
maybe our Protestant brothers and sisters, but also just you know the existence of God, the historicity of the Gospels, things like that. And those books are excellent. The other one I would recommend, which is kind of like the Catholic classic, is called Apologetics and Catholic Doctrine. And I think it's by Archbishop Sheehan or... I think that's what it is, uh, our, our apologetics and Catholic doctrine. And it goes through everything like that as well. And it's it, it reads like a catechism, so you can just flip to a page, something like that. Um, and and then, you know, the other thing I would, I would do is I would look at people who are already doing this, right? So there's a wealth of videos on YouTube already, you know, about people of people who are already uh, responding to things and making these videos. Bishop Barron does it all the time. Very, very commonly is talking about, you know, the existence of God and the historicity of the gospels. Uh, so watch what they're already doing. I think your first, uh, you know, your first inclination is right. Okay. Start praying for people to come and pray with you for these kids, right? This is what you need. You need just one person, right? Just one person to come and pray with you. Uh, for the conversion of these young men and to really uh, to really get something started. Just, just you know, try and find that one person who would come and do it. The other thing I would say is this. Remember they're in high school, right? And, and I know you know this, right? Because you're a high school teacher. Remember that they're in high school and realize that this is something that you do in high school. You rebel against something or something. And so, uh, you know, this is, you know, kind of understand where they're coming from. Now, I'm not saying they're not committed atheists. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is a lot of times this is kind of just what they want to do. And so kind of loving them through that is, you know, going to be an important part of all this as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The development of the intellectual side, part of the problem is in Catholic circles, you have to learn a bunch of stuff um and according to natural sciences and stuff you actually have to become skilled in that science right whereas for many people religion is more akin to history as like a liberal art where right you just have to memorize a bunch of stuff and understand like kind of the concepts around it where people then in our in our hyper stem focused world view the liberal arts as you know, as a whole as less truthful than say math or um, physics or something like that but it's a different type of knowledge so for instance when I'm uh, having a wonderful discussion with atheists part of the things that I talk about is you know they'll say they'll do the standard new atheist thing oh God is a homophobic genocidal blah 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 and they'll go through all that stuff and I'll say, well, number one, you don't understand what the Bible is. Doing. Just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean it's God approved. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about number two, the morality issues. What is your ultimate ground for morality? Well, you know, it's un the Christian God is unjust because you know it's homophobic and blah blah. blah. I say, okay, that they, I'll, I'll grant you that argument. But what is your grounding for morality? Like, if it's not an absolute goodness, then it's in relative goodness. Right. Where do you even get the word good if everything is relative? So what do you mean? So by denying, let's say, gay marriage, you say we are horrible and intolerant people. So you say it's evil to be intolerant. In what culture is that, or in what uh, absolute is that grounded in? Is it always evil to be intolerant? Is it sometimes good to be? So then you start to ask about, absolutes and then you come to realize that they have very strong and inherited 
positions on justice, but justice cannot be seen at the end of a microscope. Justice cannot be looked at at the other end of a telescope. Justice is a concept, an idea, just as uh, a part of theology as it is philosophy, and that doesn't make it valid. In fact, most of the things that we hold dearest are not verifiable by the scientific method. And so just getting people to step back and see that, freedom, equality, tolerance, justice, love, these are concepts that make life worth living but are not uh, demonstrable by the scientific method. Their validity is not. And so what we end up doing is we ride our assumptions, right. and those assumptions generally are Christian. Like, we live in a post-Christian world, meaning Christianity has shaped even those who reject Christ right. in his church. Right, So, uh, you know, one of the things I would also, uh, you know, suggest an another step to take, I don't know what you do at this high school or... But we have like what kind of what Gomer was just talking about. We have a profound lack of knowledge of metaphysics, you know, that part of philosophy, metaphysics. Yeah. And even teaching someone a little bit of metaphysics, a little bit of metaphysics. And, you know, for those of you listening out there who don't go to the metaphysics section at at uh, Barnes and Noble, <laughs> Barnes and you're going to like buy like a cauldron, a witch's cauldron or something like that. But <laughs> but metaphysics from a philosophical sense, right? Uh Teaching them a little bit of simple metaphysics is going to really help them to be able to sift through the weeds on this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, people just really like they really, really very often just get sucked into these these things because we think that science is everything right. STEM. That's our obsession now. Uh, and, and metaphysics has gone by the wayside. And if you teach them just a little bit of metaphysics and, and don't even direct it towards atheism. Direct it towards just you. You need to learn a little bit of metaphysics, right? And and it will really help them to start thinking about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, for me, as a young man, it was the five ways of Saint Thomas Aquinas. Walking through the five ways, and I struggled with it, um, but it made sense to me because I had a teacher that explained it, and that teacher was Scott Hahn <laughs> in audio cassette tapes called "Where Is God in an Ungodly World." And it was the first time I ever heard of proofs for the existence of God. Right. And then he followed that up with the moral argument of C.S. Lewis. And when I began hearing these, um, they very rapidly painted a picture in my head that my knowledge of these things is so limited, but my arrogance was so supreme when I was in high school. I remember I would go, and after I studied this stuff and studied this stuff and really came convinced of it, we were in the lunchroom at Bishop Kelly Catholic High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is in probably 1997, 96. And I remember I'm talking about this stuff. And this one girl looks at me and goes, oh, look, Michael Gormley thinks he's so smart. He's the only person in the history of the world to prove the existence of God. <laughs> and I was like, proofs for the existence of God. I'm quoting a guy named Thomas Aquinas. And he was writing in the, you know, I didn't even know then. But like I'm like quoting all this stuff, and they they were utterly utterly shocked that this was a part of our Christian tradition. Um, if if you are not walking, like we have to realize that most high school and now most middle schoolers are atheists, right? Practically right. yes, but more and more also theoretic theoretically, like they are embracing atheism because that's the default, right? That is the default. Okay, because when you follow God, you have to follow God. When you don't believe in God, you can follow anyone else you want. 
And so the challenge for people, especially young people who are dealing with atheism, you know, my buddy Luke Carey one time said, why are you teaching confirmation this way? Most of the kids don't even believe in God. And you have to take a different approach to it. The Magus Center, M-A-G-I-S. Yeah, they're going to be so great for you. They have a lot of stuff that they're producing for specifically for this type of stuff. Young adults, high school students, even middle school students, um, talking to them about just uh, various issues that point to, from a scientific perspective, the existence of a creator. Guy. What is that guy's name again? Carlo Broussard, I think. Is that what you're talking about? No. No. No, no. Father Robert Spitzer? Yeah, Father yeah, Robert okay. Spitzer. Father yeah, yeah, Robert yeah. is amazing. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Good. yeah, YouTube him. Yeah. And you're going to find tons of tons of great yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, this guy, legally blind, <laughs> he 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 was the head of the physics department of Gonzaga. Okay, I was He wondering. ran that so well, he became the president of Gonzaga, set that school up. I mean, just totally transformed it. Huge endowment, changed a lot of stuff. It was a thoroughly orthodox, amazing Catholic school when he was there as the president. He was crushing it. Then he leaves to go do this Magus Center stuff. Magus, Magus. I don't know. Um, and they're doing, they're doing amazing things. He, Bishop Barron says, when I talk with Father Robert, I realize how little I know. Right. Because he was trained under Joseph Pieper and Lonergan yeah. and like all of these like favorite. I did a B-sides with him on my other show and he just started listing off the names of who his professors were. And I was like, Joseph Pieper? That's awesome. You studied under Joseph Pieper? And he's like, oh, yeah, he was a great guy. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm so jealous. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So I, I think like, you know, a little bit of practical, uh, a little bit of practical suggestion here is you know remember remember to keep this about the relationship yeah. but also you got to know a little bit you got to get into this a little bit i know i know you said you're not really an apologist in some sense we got to kind of like wade into these arguments because it will eventually affect the bridge of trust that they've built with you if they feel like you're not basing your faith on uh something that's intellectually tenable so eventually they're going to start to not trust that you know and um, you know, I, I, again, I, I can't recommend this enough. Go back to the metaphysics, teach them the metaphysics and particularly teach it to them through questioning because they're going to bring those questions back to wherever this atheism is coming from, you know, wherever they're getting their, their atheism, you know, at least as far as their actual beliefs, you know, they're going to take those questions back and they'll find that, you know, it's not, it's not, there's not everything that they, that science can answer, right? Not everything. Not every question science can answer. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So uh, there, there's a lot that's there. Um, my recommendation, so one of the things that I do for spouses who are married to adamant atheists is I tell them, you got to know yourself too, but you also have to have material around that they will quote unquote stumble upon. So I recommend uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, um, The Reason for God by Timothy Keller, as well as Making Sense of God. Those are both very excellent books by, uh, you know, a ref uh, Presbyterian pastor. Um, he's kind of like, in a lot of ways, he's a spiritual successor of C.S. Lewis. Um, I, I, I love this guy's writing style to death. Now, he's not Catholic. Wait, who did you just say that was? Reverend Timothy Keller. Is the spiritual successor to C.S. Lewis? In a lot of ways. In the way he takes complicated forms and makes them very... That's awesome. Very consumable. He that, seem, that seems like an aggressive statement. I know. I'm happy fair that enough, you fair made enough. it. I'm happy that you made it. <laughs> he reads. He the the famous line about him is when people talk to him, they say, 
oh, I can tell you really prepared for your sermon. You had like 40 quotes in it, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, people will say, oh, I can tell you didn't really have a lot of time to prepare for your sermon because all you quoted was C.S. Lewis. <laughs> because he reads like an hour of C.S. Lewis a day. It's, it's kind of funny. Huh? But um, his Making Sense of God and The Reason for God are excellent books. Um, the Handbook of Christian Apologetics by Peter Kraft and Ronald Toselli. There's a new one that they came out with called The Handbook of Catholic Apologetics, which kind of deals with Catholicism and Protestantism a little bit more specifically. Um, and that's a newer. Uh, so I recommend these books because they are very excellent ways for people to get started in thinking about these things. Um, Catholic students, students at a Catholic school, need to understand that in following God, we are not checking out our reason. Faith is not irrational. More than anything else, we have to understand that. Your kids have to embrace completely the notion that faith is not irrational. And whatever you can do to communicate that, I think will be effective in the long run because we're losing that game. We're losing that game to every parent who says, well, just believe. Right. To every teacher or catechist who scolds a kid for asking a difficult question right. and being argumentative, we're losing that game when we do that. I had a woman who just became Catholic last night. It was very awesome. Um, and she was a Seventh-day Adventist. And she would, she would literally sit in my class, and as I'm talking, I thought she was taking notes. She was writing down questions. As I'm talking, she doesn't take any notes. She's writing down questions. And when I would finish, I go, okay, are there any questions? She would raise her hand and hold up the paper. And then one day she had every line of a notebook piece of paper front and half of it on the back were filled with one-sentence questions. And so we took the whole next class and walked through them. And let me tell you, she said, I hated growing up in uh, in my Sabbath school. Really? Because I guess that's what the Sabbath they have at this called Sunday school. <laughs> because, uh, well, because they're not on Sundays, you know. <laughs> So he, she said, because I would ask questions all the time. Even my mom would be like, stop asking so many questions. Right. She's like, here, you're like encouraging me to object to you. And I was like, right, because we don't leave our mind at the door. Once kids understand that it's okay to question, because I, and I tell everyone this, it's a sign of a mind that is awake and takes it seriously. It's not a sign of a lack of faith. When you lay that out, you give people permission to question, sure. why do we believe this? That is healthy. That is good. I had a Muslim woman who converted to Catholicism. She's sitting across from the desk. I lay this out. A year later, she comes to me and says, I knew that's when I was going to be Catholic. And I said, why? And she said, because every other uh, religion I belonged to, she was raised Southern Baptist. She you know, bounced around all these different things. She was a Sunni Muslim woman for years. She said, every one of them told me, that my questioning things was a sign of a lack of faith. And you said the exact opposite. And I was like, of course. wow, yeah. One of, that's the Catholic tradition. It is okay to question. The Summa starts off, is there a God? You know, everything is questionable uh, amen. until we amen. come to have faith. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, we're praying for you. And we're praying for all the, you know, you, you guys are in a tough position, people who are in high schools. and yeah. But it's also ripe. I, th I think some of the some of the best, uh, some of my, my favorite People who I was able to walk with in a company and evangelize came from working with high school kids, you know. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of fruit there too. So we're praying for you. Yep. What we're gonna do yep. is we're gonna take a break here and we're gonna come back with our take five. Now, listen, if you have been blessed by this podcast, we're asking you, put put it on the line and bless us back and give us a rating. Uh, you guys have been so great about this. Also, 
Remember, uh, we don't want just questions. Let's hear some glory stories from some of our listeners. We want to hear about the people that you're affecting and evangelizing. Yeah. Somebody stopped me in the parking lot the other day, and this guy, he's hes such an interesting guy. His name's Patrick, and um, he's this huge dude, right? He's a big, tall guy, and uh, so he just like has a presence about him, and he is obviously very intelligent. I think he's an engineer or something like that, and is... Just like he's always, I think, been Catholic, but like is questioning so much about in a good way about the faith and like really diving into the faith and everything. And he said that he listens to us on the way to work or, or something like that and to this podcast. And he doesn't have time to do all the five takeaways, but, you know, he tries. We want to hear from people like like Patrick. Right. I want to hear, you know, how this has blessed your life so that we can, uh, you know, we can continue and to glory in that. Right. That uh, together that God is using. Yeah all of us to to advance the kingdom. So email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com or every knee shall bow at ascensionpress.com. We'll be back in a, in a bit. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life, and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite and least favorite part of the show. I want to encourage you, if you are doing these take fives, Dave was talking about glory stories. Let's hear some glory stories Especially, not just, but especially from those of you who have done the Take Fives and what, how it's it stretched you, how you've um, actually, you know, maybe you've never walked up to a stranger before or whatever it might be. Um, share us, uh, share these stories and shoot us an email at eksb at ascensionpress.com. Uh, first Take Five, Dave. It's me, yeah. Okay, so your first one. So we always work on our testimony here. And one of the things that I know Gomer does and I will do is... If I know the audience well, I shape my testimony for that audience. And yeah. so what I want you to do is think about the the listener today who wrote in and think about what you would do, what would you say in your testimony if you knew there was an atheist in the audience, if you knew there were several atheists in the audience, how would you change your testimony? You know, for one thing, it just a, a little a little thought would be to make sure that they understand that part of your life was wrestling with the issue of the existence of God, right? That you've wrestled with this before, so that they at least know that you were you were there at one point. Okay, so just shape your testimony for a specific audience. You can do it for atheists, you can do it for any audience, but shape your testimony for a specific audience so you can kind of get that practice. Of of trying to you know uh, get across a particular to a particular group of people. Uh, this one comes from my experience in the in the prison ministry as well as youth ministry, which is kind of redundant. Uh, <laughs> what I, <laughs> what I would encourage you to do is this kind of community aspect is memorize their names and something about them, a fact about them, and bring it up intentionally to show that you remember who they are, you know who they are. 
uh, and that they are not ignored. One of the most powerful things that happens in youth and ministry is adults who aren't getting anything out of the kids that's related to their career show love and concern for them, right? Teachers and youth ministers and all that stuff, we are literally paid to care about kids. Core members aren't. So when core members memorize kids' names, it's powerful. It can be very powerful. So when I was in the prison ministry, I overhauled, overheard a guy call this other dude Paul the Wall, and he was a big dude. And so I was like, Paul, 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 Paul the Wall. I'm going to remember that. So every time I see him, I'm like, hey, Paul, how's it going? And the first time I did it, he stopped dead in his tracks, and he looked at me and goes, you know my name? Huh. Wow. Thank you so much. Now, this guy has tattoos on his face, <laughs> right? All up and down his bald head. This is not a <laughs> an emotional in- individual, right? It, it changes things. So memorize their name and a fact about them and bring it up. Try to remember these little details. Even when if you're a teacher and they come to your office and then they leave or they say something in class, pull out a little journal or a little piece yep. of paper and write yep. down stuff. To help you and then yep, take it to absolutely. prayer. Absolutely. Okay, number three, we always have something for intercessory prayer. You know, I, I just felt for uh, the person, uh, the listener who wrote in today, how she wants people to come and pray with her for, you know, for their students, right? This that is awesome. awesome. So this week, our intercessory project is going to be that all, all the listeners, we're asking you all to pray with her for the conversion of the students at this all boys school. Okay. Uh, let's, let's join her. Let's be her prayer group, even though she won't feel us there. Uh, let's be her intercessory prayer group and, and maybe just offer up a Hail Mary, a, a glory be something like that, particularly for the conversion of the boys at this school and for her uh, apostolate. Awesome. Awesome. I'm writing an apologetics of Marian prayers right now. A little apologetic. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For my, really? for my RCI, I'm really excited about it. And uh, the Memorare has become like my new favorite prayer of all time. Oh, me too. That's mine. That's mine. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. See, look, we're best friends. So I will be praying that every (laughs) single day for her and her group. (laughs) Uh, Next, we have education. Listen, build a database of online answers to atheism. What I would recommend you doing, you can just start off very simply, fire up a Word document or Excel spreadsheet and start to take down the YouTube addresses of... uh, Things like Bishop Aaron's talks on atheism. Um, there's a lot of Protestant evangelists who do stuff on atheism. Um, there's a lot of excellent content that is out there that as a Catholic we can share because they're defending basic theism or Christianity in general. They don't really get into the doctrinal stuff where we, maybe we need to pump the brakes. So I would say just start looking for this, whether they're articles or YouTube videos, preferably YouTube videos, but things like that that we can begin to do. I know Matt Frad has a lot of excellent stuff on atheism, podcasts that are out there, Trent Horn, Catholic Answers. Um, there are so many things that exist out in the online world. Uh, there's a good phrase by this guy who wrote a book called What Would Google Do? And the, the idea is do what you do best and then link to the rest. So if you are not a hardcore apologist like Trent Horn, Great. Trent Horn has a podcast right. called The Council of Trent. Link to that stuff. Write down the address for these things. Get articles from Catholic Answers and other places that you can trust and just build their database of it. Right In one column, write what the subject this talks about. And then someone says, well, I struggle with the problem of evil and suffering. You say, well, here's a couple things I, I want you to look at. Awesome. Number five, last one. This is going to be your step out of the boat one. This is hard. Okay. Uh, 
I want you to practice something called reverse mentoring, okay, reverse mentoring. And I used to do this all the time before I even knew that there was a name for it. Jim Beckman is the one who told me that this is what it's called. Where Good man. Yeah, he's awesome. So where you basically, what you're going to do is you're going to ask someone younger than you to teach you something. Okay, so for me, one of the one of my greatest glory stories are these two girls at a high school that my wife and I worked at. And I used to ask them, you know, to I got like a, a Blackberry and I didn't know anything about the Blackberry. And, and like I used to ask them for music to work out to and they would come and they would teach me about the Blackberry. And we developed this long relationship. And still, they're just there's these awesome young girls and they're always defending the faith now. And, and they went from really having almost no faith at all. So you're going to practice reverse mentoring. Ask someone younger than you to teach you something. And, and it's a way to build that trust relationship, right? To build that relationship uh, with that person. And it, it, you'll see it, it works really, really well. It works really well. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gormley. All thriller, no filler, Dave Van Vickle. Uh, we are here to say God bless you. Hope you are uh, walking, praying every day for all these people. And especially, let's remember uh, this special Catholic boys' school and the conversion of those atheists. All right, God bless. <laughs>